Man's wisdom can be misleading if influenced by the enemy of God. Listen now as Mike points out the danger of man's wisdom. See, there are people around you that don't have the wisdom of God, but they've got their own self-made wisdom, and they have plans that if you get in the way, they're going to crush you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to manipulate the situation so well that if anybody went to uncover it, you would never know what hit you. You'd have no idea. And I'll stand up and shout And I'll praise you, Lord Jesus And I'll stand up and sing And I'll thank you, Lord Jesus And I'll stand up and shout We appreciate you joining us for the Friday edition of Chapter and Verse with Mike McIntosh. Satan is the author of confusion, so it's no wonder why he can manipulate us so easily when we try to rely on our own wisdom. God has given us many tools to combat his lies by relying on the wisdom of God. So many are trying to make man in his own image and create a new world order that will not include the God of the Bible. Let's not forget that God created us in His image. Now let's join Mike McIntosh with part two of our lesson from Proverbs chapter two, looking at wisdom from above. Now some of you, your Bibles say forwardness and others say perverseness. So they're perverts in a sense. I think for 18 years I had season tickets for the Chargers and in the 80s used to do their weekly Bible study and loved them and baptized many of them and led many to the Lord. And um, that's when I met Miles McPherson and started uh, working with him. And then there's a Sunday that I realized, you know, I really rushed out after the second service so I could be there for the kickoff. And I should have stayed here and talked to all of you and helped whoever needed some help. But I had to get there that Sunday. I forget who it was that we were playing. And as the third quarter came around and the drunks on my right and the drunks on my left and the drunks in the front and the fight going on behind me and one guy spilled some beer, I think, on Sandy and that was it. That was it. For me, they knocked me out colder than you could believe. No, that was it. I just, I got so upset and then I realized, why do I want to be in the midst of this forwardness and perverseness? I can sit home and I can just enjoy the game and the sport without the perverseness. You see, when there's no wisdom in a society, perverseness is accepted. To have a National League football championship or baseball take place and then the young ruffians go out and turn cars over and light them on fire and start street fights, what does that have to do with anything? It shows you that the country has lowered its standards, and perverseness is acceptable. So these kind of people whose ways are crooked, and they're perverse in their paths. So now I need to know, how do I get out of this? How do I know the ways of evil people? There's a man in the Old Testament you all know about, Ahithophel. It's a strange name. His name literally means brother of folly. I don't know why a parent would name his, his or her son, this is the brother of folly, Ahithophel. Would you just say that out loud? It's fun to say, Ahithophel. Isn't that funny to say, Ahithophel. Thank you for saying that, you Philly people. Ahithophel. I've never understood that name. But Ahithophel, as you know, was a wise man. And he was an advisor and an insider to the inner circle of King David. And he helped David. And he blessed David. And he served David. But something happened with Ahithophel. He left the good path and he went off to the bad path. And some of you 
have friends that used to walk on a good path and they've stepped over to a bad path and they're pulling you with them. Where it should be just the opposite. Ahithophel wanted to kill David. He wanted to get rid of David. So Ahithophel became like many perverse people do. They see your weakness and they begin spreading rumors or talking you down so that they can accomplish what they want to do, which is end up on top and you down and out. You see, Ahithophel became bitter. And bitterness turned into anger. And the anger turned into a murder plot. And a good man became a bad man because life wasn't going his way. So he realized there was a son named Absalom. And we're told that Absalom was beautiful, handsome, great to look at. He was one of the sons of Solomon, but he was rebellious. And he turned away from his father's learning. Just like Solomon said, my father taught me these things. Absalom didn't want to learn wisdom. So Absalom started going throughout the kingdom saying, my my dad's getting old. My dad doesn't know what he's doing. He would divide people and say, follow me, I will be your leader. So the young guys started coming around, you're young, you're healthy, we'll start following you. And then he did what was very mischievous. He went to the city gates where the elders would sit and he would say, good morning to all of you. And then he'd say to the older guys that made the decisions for the community, you know, that should be handled, but my dad has not deputized anybody to really take care of that. But you tell me the issues, I will handle them for you. So it says in the, in the Bible that Absalom won the hearts of the people. If you're a person prone to win people's hearts, you're in danger. If you're trying to steal a boyfriend or you're trying to split the board or you're trying to get everybody to see it your way, you're ultimately going to end up very sad and lonely. Absalom played on the weaknesses that were going on around him. And he says to this older man, Ahithophel, say, come join me and we'll work together. So he knew something that most people didn't know if you didn't read the Bible about Ahithophel. Why would this brilliant statesman that helped the country be such a great country all of a sudden turn against the king and go off a good path and now be bad counsel and badmouth the king? Well, because of bitterness. And ultimately because of lack of forgiveness. You see, there was a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. It was at the time that the kings went to war. And David walked out in the porch of his summer palace and he looked down in the bathroom and saw her taking a bath. Now you see, the first mistake is the time of the year that kings went to war. There was a war going on. And as the king, he should not have been living in luxury. He should have been out in the battle. He knew, I think he knew that she took a bath at 9 o'clock every night or whatever it was. And he was peeping David. And he was lusting after her. He brings her over to his pad. Turns the lights down. Gets the FM 98.1 going. You know, chills the, the wine. Sets the mood. The candles are going. And he seduces her. And after a few encounters, she's impregnated by him. She's committed adultery, but now she's got the baby to bear. Well, the problem is her husband is Uriah, and he was a Hittite. And he was at war defending Jerusalem and Israel and King David. He was a forthright man. And David said, I've got to get this taken care of. Quick, call Uriah the Hittite back. And he brings him to the palace and feeds him a sumptuous meal and flatters him and pats him on the back. and says, how goes the war? And then he gets him drunk on wine and says, hey, go next door to where you live. I know you're nearby here and live, uh, sleep with your wife tonight. Have the pleasures of any husband. And he says, oh, no, sir, king. There's no way that my men could be dying in battle and living in the fields And I would have the pleasure of my own bed tonight. No, I'll go sleep in the hay with the horses down in your barns. He was a righteous dude. 
Boy, that embarrassed King David, just like some of you, you're thinking, that little boy's quoting how many verses are I can even quote three. You know, it was embarrassing. David said, oh, what am I going to do? So he calls him back the next night. Come to dinner. We, you're a war hero. Let's give you some attributes here. And poured the wine. Says, hey, you know, it's time to go home. Go ahead and sleep with your wife. He wants her to have sex with her so that when she says he, she's pregnant, he can say, remember when you came home on leave that time and saw the king? That's when I got pregnant. So he says, no, because he's a righteous man. So David calls Joab the general over and says, I want you to do something. When you get in the heat of the battle, I want you to put Uriah right up in the front of the battle, close to the city, and then pull away all of his support. And that general knew right then and there that the king was murdering this man and covering it from war. See, there are people around you that don't have the wisdom of God, but they've got their own self-made wisdom, and they have plans that if you get in the way, they're going to crush you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to manipulate the situation so well that if anybody went to uncover it, you would never know what hit you. You'd have no idea. Well, Uriah died. He was murdered, literally. But Ahithophel had revenge, and he misused his position to get revenge. You see, Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. And he knew that the king had murdered his granddaughter's husband and that she was pregnant with his child. He gets a hold of Absalom. Absalom divides the kingdom and spreads lies and rumor. And God had cursed David because, you see, God is the one that brings vengeance. You don't need to revenge yourself. And the Bible says that God said that this same sin shall come back to haunt you. And man didn't need to do anything. But Ahithophel says to the son, I know how we can destroy your dad. Get his pride, get his ego, embarrass him in front of the whole country. Get four or five of his concubines, those beautiful young teenage women, the sexiest looking ones you can find, and go up on the roof of the palace and have sex with him in broad daylight at noontime. And people all around on their roofs and down below will see you up there. It'll destroy his image and his power. And Absalom went up on the roof and he did exactly that. That wasn't the end of it, though. This man had a lot of vanity. King David heard, do you realize your son and Ahithophel are plotting against you and the nation is divided? You need to leave the country. You need to get out of Jerusalem. You need to protect yourself. And he said, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son Absalom. His heart is broken that his family is so destroyed because he didn't use God's wisdom. And he himself had walked off the path of righteousness to pursue his flesh. I wonder today if you've walked off the path of righteousness to pursue your flesh. Death and destruction are waiting for you. But wisdom will deliver you from the ways of the evil man that are plotting against you. In 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 25, it says, But in all of Israel, there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. He was so handsome. He was so vain. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. The women just went gaga over Absalom. But he was so vain and hung up on himself, and he used this for his glory and not for God's glory, and divided the country. And it says in verse 26, when he pulled his head, for it was at every year's end that he pulled his head and cleaned it and thinned it out, because his hair was so heavy on him. He was the original Michael Bolton. He was just out there. This guy, whoa, look at that guy's hair. And he would just swagger around. He weighed the hair of his head 200 shekels after the king's weight. It was so heavy. But then we know when God had dealt with the king, that Ahithophel realized that he had betrayed a friend. 
and that he had been dishonorable, and that his jealousy, his envy, his bitterness, his anger had broken his relationship with wisdom, he went out and committed suicide. He killed himself. He couldn't live with himself. That he had gone from being a good person to a compromising evil person. Well, Absalom and his young men and warriors are going to go to war. He gets on his mule and he's riding through a forest. And all of a sudden the wind came up and all that hair started blowing in the air. And just as his mule stumbled, his hair got caught between two branches of a tree. And the mule kept going and Absalom was stuck in the tree, hanging from his vanity, swinging back and forth. No way to reach up with his hands and get himself. No way that his feet could touch the ground and get back in solid ground. And that's what it said for the man that goes after the promiscuous, seductress woman. That sex becomes so important to you, you're going to be hanging, it says in the scriptures, between heaven and earth, just swaying with the wind. And the general came by. And David had said to him, I want you all to be very gentle concerning my son Absalom on my behalf. They were going to kill him. And when the general saw him, he said to him, things that probably aren't written, but basically, I'm not putting up with you in this nonsense and the problems you've caused in this country. And he jammed through his heart three spears. And then ten young men, you know, they were the cool guys. They were hanging out at Starbucks with him. They were, you know, they had the gelled hair. They They were it. They were just in because this is the new regime. Ten of his armor bearers put down the armor and they personally beat his body and stabbed his body and had realized they had gone to the dark side and that they should have been faithful to the kingdom that God had set up. His hair hangs him up. And what is it about our pride that hangs us up today? Joab ends up spearing him. And we're told there's another reason for these great words in the 16th verse in closing, to deliver you from the immoral woman. From the seductress who flatters you with her words, She forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. She once was a young girl growing up that knew God and knew the scriptures, but now has become the party animal. She once forsake the companion that were her friends that kept her being an honest and a God-fearing girl and young woman, and she gave away the scriptures. And if you go to her house, it leads to death in her paths to the dead. And none who go to her will ever be strong and regain the paths of life again. She has seduced so many men. The diseases are being spread. Their morals are being destroyed by this woman. So may you walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of righteousness. The Bible says that those who give themselves to promiscuity and sexual forwardness or perverseness will end up in horrible deaths. Delilah, you stop and think of her. She used her beauty and her charm for political ends. I've got to find out how Samson has all this strength to do so much. She seduced him. She knew that he's a man that liked girls, and that he's a man that couldn't control his own sexual lust. And it says that she would make him lay his head on her lap, and she would stroke his hair and soothe him and talk to him and calm him down and then begin to interrogate him. And he thought he was having a little love tryst. She gave herself in compromise to the, the lords who gave her 1,100 pieces of silver She used her body and her twinkle in her eye and her makeup and her low-cut blouses to seduce. And other men knew what type of a woman she was inside and said, we'll pay you if you'll just lure this guy in and then we'll take his power away. Or how about Jezebel? 
I find it so interesting that the woman Jezebel is spoken of by Jesus Christ after he resurrects from the dead and says to the church in the book of Revelation, you have that woman Jezebel. You've heard the old saying, that Jezebel, speaking of a harlot or a whore or a prostitute or a woman with too much makeup on. It comes from the Bible. She was married to a man named Ahab. He was the king. He was wicked. She was wicked. She was a manipulator. She was like a spider. Many of us have Jezebels around us. They spin a web. They think out way ahead. Then they lure and seduce their prey and they wrap it and suffocate it and drain it of its energy and just store it till they can eat it later. And that's what she did. She always had a plan to trap people and to use people for her own good. No, you need good people around you that love you because God has put them in your life. You see, Jezebel went in and the king had his head down and he was sad. She said, what's going on? You look so sad. Ah, oh, said neighbor Naboth. What's the problem? Well, I wanted his vineyard. I wanted to own his property. She said, what are you sad about that for? See, Naboth said, king, I'm not selling you my vineyard. He had every right to say that. Because his father gave it to him. His grandfather gave it to his father. And back many generations. And property belonged to the Jew and it passed on. But Jezebel invented something called eminent domain. If the government wants it, they take it. This is where it started, right here with her. And so she goes and finds two sons of Belial. These were two worldly men. These were godless men, sons of Belial. They were devil worshippers and said, you start spreading a rumor through town that this man Naboth has spoken evil about the throne, the king and the queen, and is trying to bring insurrection into Israel and we'll arrest him. And they spread the rumors gladly and she paid them. She used deception. Now wisdom and understanding are going to deliver you from the immoral seductress. And she goes and has him killed. Goes to the king and says, hey, don't worry. He's dead. It's your property. And God comes through the prophet Elijah and says, I have watched what Jezebel has done. And I have seen what her husband has done. And that they have murdered a just man. And you shall go to them and you shall say, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. I have seen what you have been doing. Though other people don't know what you've been doing, I have watched, and you shall die a horrible death. And as for Jezebel, at this same place where Naboth's blood was spilled, will the dogs lick up the blood of Ahab. And as for Jezebel, the beast and the birds will eat her body. Well, in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 18, it says that Elijah came to the king, and the king was shocked and he said, Oh, any enemy of mine, you good, righteous, godly man. Any enemy of mine, have you found me out? Do you know what's going on? He says, Yes, the Lord knows. And you know, that man dropped dead. There's nothing you and I can do that's evil, that's not going to be judged. And then God sent a man to Jezebel. And she saw him coming up the path and it says she painted her face and darkened her eyes, put the mascara on, the lipstick, and fixed herself up so she looked so sharp and cool when this guy comes in and she yells out the window, is this in peace? Is this good? And the man below yells to the eunuchs or the servants in the house, who up there is on my side? They knew a righteous man was coming. And three of the servants said, we're righteous And they took her and threw her out the window. And she fell to the ground. Broke her neck, probably. And when Elijah came and said, Find the body of Jezebel and bury it. 
They found the dogs licking the blood. And all that was left was the skull, the hands from the wrist, and the feet. They had devoured everything of a person who lived for her body and lived to use it to control other people. Yes, these are words that will deliver you from the ways of bad men. They will deliver you from the immoral woman, the seductress. And finally, these are words that keep you living a good life. It's that simple. It just tells us that. This is why you'll read them. You'll be a person that will dwell in the land. You'll be blameless. You'll remain with God. And the wicked are going to be cut off. And the unfaithful will be uprooted. But you will last with the Lord. So these words, wisdom, knowledge, discretion, understanding, will bring you to begin associating with good people that do not have hidden agendas. These words will recognize the good paths. And you'll say, I shouldn't be going that way anymore. That path, uh, I'm not going that way anymore. Thank you. Wisdom shows me. These words are to help you walk on the right paths of life. So in conclusion, Proverbs tells us there is a way which seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. You need the wisdom to know if you're on the right path or not. You should fear God that you could be on the wrong path. And that all that will be left of you tomorrow at this time would just be your hands and your feet. Because of the evilness that has taken you aside. God is willing to give each one of us as the men come to serve as communion. He is willing to give us wisdom. He's willing to give you knowledge. Which will lead you to, to discretion that will preserve you. So you can make good decisions and gain understanding. The ways of the godless people around you can pull you down. You say, but this is a good friend. Oh, I drink with this person all the time. Oh, this person would never... Well, there is this side of him I've never seen before. I've known this man 20 years and I never knew this about him. But God's wisdom will lift us up. Psalm 23, speaking about you going to heaven and getting close to death, says, he restores my soul and he leads me in the paths, plural, of righteousness for his namesake. In all of your getting, get understanding, get wisdom. Just ask God for wisdom. And this afternoon, watch the lights come up, and all of a sudden you say, I've never heard that before. I've never understood that before. I didn't know that. Oh, my goodness, these people are deceiving us. Oh, how could I be so blind? You need this wisdom, because it's a wicked world, and it's designed to destroy you. And pull you away from the good. So that you'll be evil. Or you'll be immoral. And you'll take others down with you. Father as we take this communion. We want to thank you so much. That you are willing to give to us. Words that will allow us to be moral women. And good men. Words that will allow us to use our bodies. And our minds. For pursuing the wonderful world you've created. To help other people have their own gardens and own homes. That our wisdom and our understanding could not only keep us and preserve us with discretion and find pleasantness because we're learning new knowledge. But it would benefit the person sitting in front of us and behind us. Lord, may you pour out on these young men your discretion. That they would be like the cat on the wall. Just carefully moving forward and not being seduced. Lord, for these young women, 
May you show them understanding that there is a way that seems right, but it could kill them. And they don't need to be popular. They don't need to be the life of the party. They need to stay with their companion and keep the covenant of your word. I pray for these business people that they would not cut corners and take shortcuts but stay on the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I pray for these husbands and wives, these mothers and fathers, that you would give them discretion, that they would think out every decision so their boys and their girls will end up in heaven in the future. Bless these men and women as they sit before you. Flood them with the light of wisdom and give them your understanding. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. With that, Pastor Mike concludes our teaching for today. Wisdom from above has been our topic for these past two broadcasts. If you need to make some real steps to ordering your life according to God's principles and giving in to Him, let me suggest that you check in at MikeMcIntosh.com and click on the Know God link, where you'll find additional insight and resources there to help you. The address is MikeMcIntosh.com and look under Know God. Also, if you'd like to review this message, you can do so while you're online when it's convenient for you. Just log on to our website and click on the teaching link and then go to the sermon page for not only the complete series through Proverbs, but nearly the entire Bible from Pastor Mike. Again, log in at MikeMcIntosh.com. Please make plans to join us next time here on this station as we continue our series in the book of Proverbs with Mike McIntosh. Chapter and Verse is presented by Horizon International Ministries. And I'll stand up and shout